Welcome back to season two of the Love Letters to Virginia podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Pazmino. Thanks for listening. It's Gail Jessup White. The book is called Reclamation, Sally Hemings, Thomas Jefferson, and the Sentence Search for Her Family's Lasting Legacy. Thank you so much. Are there any projects that are related to this book that you are working on right now? Everything I do is related to this book. That's beautiful. How long did it take you to write this? Uh, so, Nessa, this act- journey actually started um, 50 years ago. Okay. So, <laughs> so in a way, you could say it took me 50 years to write this book. Um, in terms of actual composition, however, uh, three years. Okay. Did you know any of this information about your family before you started your journey? Well, I, I learned from my oldest sister, Janice, uh, Janice Terry, who heard from an older relative, a woman named Aunt Peachy, a woman I never met, that um, there's this oral history that we're descended from Thomas Jefferson. I learned that when I was 13 years old, which is why I said it took 50 years for me to uncover this history. So I knew that, but beyond that, I didn't know anything else. I didn't know how we could have been related to Thomas Jefferson. It seemed extremely unlikely to me as um, as I grew up, uh, uh, very comfortably um, a young black girl in Washington, D.C., teenager at 13 when I learned about this. Um, I didn't know at the time, as most Americans, I suspect, didn't know that Jefferson owned people. Uh, a total of um, 607 during his lifetime. So it just seemed to me a, a bit incredible when I heard this oral history that we could have been descended from Thomas Jefferson. So I set about at that point, trying to figure out how that could have been true. Did you feel like this information was quite shocking to you? Yes, it was quite shocking, of course, because as I said, I was a a black kid in Washington, DC. Thomas Jefferson was third president of the United States and Author of the Declaration, among other things, among many other things, actually. And um, of course, I was shocked. It seemed very unlikely to me. However, I did have, it was on my dad's side, and I did have before me some uh, physical evidence of the possibility, as my dad was 6'2", had red hair and freckles, as did Jefferson. So, um, and I also learned after questioning my dad that his mother was from Charlottesville. His mother died when he was five years old, so he didn't know much about her, but he knew that she was from Charlottesville. So I had a few clues to go on. Um, I also picked up some pictures of family members and an old Bible, two old Bibles, actually from my father's brother. His name was Eugene, Uncle Eugene. My dad's name was Cedric, Cedric Jessup. And so um, I was able to garner from both of them what memory, what few memories they had about their mother and their past, but they knew very, very little. So it really wasn't until I moved from Washington to Richmond and became a frequent visitor to Monticello that I started um, 
really collecting data and learning what how how I could have possibly been descended from Jefferson. And it took the work of um, the scholars there, specifically a woman named Lucia Stanton, who goes by Cindy Stanton, um, who is the foremost and the recognized expert on Jefferson and enslavement of Monticello to help me uncover the facts. And, and we did this by, um, first, first of all, trusting in the oral history was very strong in our family, although it just came through one person, um, um, our Aunt Peachy, trusting the oral history, which is often doubted, um, historically doubted, but it's essential and important, particularly in Black communities, because so much of our history is oral. And, um, and then going through old documents, such as census records and death certificates and baptismal certificates and trying to put pieces together. The book is part memoir, part history lesson, and part detective story. And the detective story is, I think, intriguing. And what really, to me, pulls people in to a, a complex story and makes it interesting. Absolutely. So this has been like a genealogy project, but it's also been a journey of self-discovery too. That's absolutely true. Um, I grew up in a, I was born at a time when Washington DC was a majority black. The year I was born, it became a majority black city. I was surrounded by um, professional blacks, people um, very confident in themselves and competent in their families. At least that's the message that was conveyed to me. And um, and I didn't think about race. We didn't grow up with conversations about race. I grew up Catholic. We grew up talking about being Catholic. That was the, we had dinner conversations. It was about what, what I did at school and what the priest said and, um, and what family members were doing, but we never talked about race. And so, um, so I, when I entered the world, even though I graduated undergrad from Howard University, a um, historically black institution, as I entered the world, I walked into a space that for me <laughs> was shocking. You asked if I had been shocked by what I learned about Jefferson. Well, I was just as shocked when I walked into a world that, um, that was hostile, or could be hostile to me. And it took me a long time to see the world that way because Again, I grew up so comfortably and so confident. Um, and it took years and years and years for me, frankly, to recognize the hostility that um, America has displayed toward Black people, um, which seems absurd because my people were enslaved, but it's not past, it's still present. And I think that's what I had to grapple with. I knew there was hostility in the past, but the hostility continues. And so I, throughout my career, I came face to face with some of that hostility. And it wasn't until this point in my life, um, in, my, in my latter years, where I have, um, where I recognize that there's this ongoing battle for black people and marginalized people to continue demanding their, their rights um, we see um, that the country is turning toward the right once again. And what that means for so many marginalized people is fear, fear, fear of the loss of voting rights, 
fear the loss of economic gains um, that have been made, fear the loss of educational gains that have been made. And trust me, those gains have been minimal for too many people. There's still such, there's still so many social inequities and health inequities. We saw it play out with the pandemic and economic inequities. The average um, white family, high school educated white family is worth more than college educated black families. And then we're talking in the 21st century and those gains are at risk now. And so I feel compelled to address these issues because I have been granted a forum as a result of working at Monticello. Um, I am Monticello's public relations and community engagement officer. And in that space, we have uncomfortable conversations. And so it has been a privilege for me to have a platform to engage in these conversations with the community and with the public. And that has been an evolutionary process for me. May I ask you, has any of your research felt gatekeeped? Did you encounter any of that hostility in your search for the truth? Actually, I have been really fortunate in that in the beginning, my research was insular. It was in with, within my family, mm-hmm. asking the few survivors of my dad's family, and then of course my, my siblings who are much older than I, um, what they knew about the family. And then uh, a lot of it came from research I did at Howard University, where I was an undergrad student. And, um, and then of course I went on with my life. I was a reporter and an anchor, I was a journalist. And, um, and then I became a wife and a mother and then a, a wife again, I've been married a couple of times. And then I came back to this after I um, had taken care of my parents as they aged and, um, and raised my son and I came back to this. And at that point, there was uh, a, a lot of support coming from Monticello and from the researchers there. So I did not face any hostility at all. In fact, I had nothing but support from, um, from Monticello and that was the greatest source. And there's been an openness among some institutions to help people uncover their history. The National Archives is a great resource. The, um, um, the Library of Virginia is another great resource. And so no hostility at all there. And in fact, among um, some of the white descendants of uh, Thomas Jefferson, I have experienced a lot of support as well. So I, I don't feel that I have faced hostility now. I'm glad to hear that. There is a question that I ask everyone that I have on my show, and that is, how do you recognize someone from Virginia? I don't know what that question means. What do you mean, how do I recognize someone? So I have heard a lot of different Virginia-isms. There are things that people say that if you're not in Virginia, you may think to yourself, oh, okay, maybe that person is from Virginia. People say things like, we wear flip-flops as soon as the weather gets to be 50 degrees. So I, I'm i not from Virginia. Okay. So I can't 
I can't answer that. I'm a DC <laughs> girl through and through. I, I, I love Virginia. It's my ancestral home. My dad's people are from Virginia. Um, but um, I wouldn't be, I couldn't do that question justice. The only thing I know about Virginians, I've been told this from other Virginians, is that um, uh, they say, bless your heart, when they really mean just the opposite. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> is there anything else that you would like to share today? Yeah, I would encourage people to discover as much as they can about their own family history. Um, we are the sum of our ancestors. We are who they are. They've passed down to us their DNA, their culture, the way of viewing the life, their lives and what life should be. And for so many black people, it's not been there for us, particularly, um, people who are trying to go beyond that um, 1870 census, which would have been the first census when black people were considered and counted as humans and not counted as property. Um, I think it's essential to understand that history and to appreciate the people who came before us, to appreciate our for forebears and the sacrifices that they made for us to be who we are. And I encourage people to, to talk with their elders. My parents are gone. And, there's, and I asked them lots of questions when I was growing up. Um, but I, I have still have, have more. I have more questions. And they're gone now. And, um, and I'm moving into the older generation. Some would say that I've moved into the older generation. <laughs> Fortunately, I have siblings. I have a sister who's 20 years older than I. But, um, but get, 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 sit down with your elders and ask questions. Ask as many as you can think of and jot it down. My mom used to tell me, write down everything because you won't remember. You think you'll remember, but you won't. And one of the ways I was able to recall so much from my memoirs because I started keeping, keeping diaries when I was very young. And, um, and so I could go back to those diaries and confirm what my memory was of incidents that I was um, um, recapturing in the book. So yes, write every, talk with your elders, write everything down. Archiving is important, save documents and learn as much as you can and then pass it down to your descendants. May I ask you, would you ever be interested in adapting your book into a film? Well, but of course. Isn't that the dream of so many authors? Absolutely. Oh, excellent. If you ever need anything, let me know. <laughs> well, if you have connections, I will do so. <laughs> I, I will definitely put the word out. Okay, that'd be great. <laughs> the question is, who would play me? Who would play young me and... Do you have anybody <laughs> that you would want to? Well, so I used to be, I've had, I've lived long enough, Vanessa, to have many different careers. I started out as a journalist and, um, and then I was an actor for a number of years. And then I came back and taught 
uh, college, taught journalism at VCU. And now I am um, doing public relations and community engagement for Monticello. I started working, I started at a, my first museum job was at the Valentine in Richmond. I love the Valentine and its executive director, Bill Martin. And so I've had many careers and I've been in a few films. And so um, I think I could play myself. <laughs> I was thinking of that too. And you were so photogenic. <laughs> well, thank you. I could certainly play the older Gail Jessup White. <laughs> well, like you said, it is a combination of a detective story. It's It's got the history, so you could do the biopic where there's some elements of, you know, documentary style. I think it would be amazing. Well, let's get the word out. I'd love to do it. I will. Thank you so much <laughs> for taking the time today. Is there anything I'm glad else? I'm there. Yeah. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad. I'm yeah. so grateful. Well, if there's anything else that you would like to add, now would be perfect time. Otherwise, I think we can wrap things up. Okay, that's great. I think we're good. All right, my dear. I hope you have a beautiful afternoon. Thank you again for taking the time today. Of course. Home. Thanks. Take, take care. Let me know when, when this is going to be on. When you've had a ticket, it's going to be on. Okay, this one should be out on February 20th. Great. You'll send me a link? I will. Okay, thank you. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Do you have a hard time coming up with content ideas for your podcast? I find that there is nothing more embarrassing than all of a sudden being stumped in the middle of a conversation where it's like, I know I had more questions for you, but I just can't remember what they are right now. And that's why I'm trying Poddex. Poddex is the best all-in-one podcast idea generation tool. You get everything from episode ideas to interesting conversation starters for interviews, engaging discussions for your live streams, and even social media content ideas. With this tool, you don't have to spend weeks trying to come up with content for an episode or unique questions for your guests. Just shuffle the cards and pick one at random. Hit the record button and get started. Now you can make better content, have more fun while you're at it, and get your viral moment, all with Poddex. Head over to poddex.com and use code C4C. Hey, this is Latasha Holloway. I plan to be the future mayor of Virginia Beach, but when the time comes, I will need your support. As a veteran of the healthcare field, I understand something about empathy. We must have empathy and compassion in order to improve Virginia Beach. Thank you.